0: You know, what are you going
1: to do? Burn it down. Yeah, that's. There we go. Burn it down. Burn it down. down. This is Van Color. We're at the West Coast. (laughs) My name is Moamir, and today on This is Van Color, I'm joined by an otter and dress enthusiast, a Canadian poet, podcaster, and performer. She hosts Can't Lit, a podcast on Canadian literature and culture. She is a senior editor of Poetry is Dead magazine and the artistic director of the Real Vancouver Writers Series. She teaches at the University of British Columbia, where she obtained her MFA in creative writing. Her fourth collection of poetry interrogates the way in which we interpret and process the big deals of our 21st century lives. It's described as quirky, wry, sensitive, bitchy, and honest. It's available now. It's called It's a Big Deal. And it's a big deal that she is here hailing from the heart of the Beaver Valley. She is the super professional Dina Delbukia. Dina, how are you?
0: I am just great.
1: You look just great. You're you're wearing a floral, yep. floral dress. Yep. It's a sunny day. It's very sunny. I'm wearing your best a way. dress.
0: I have bare legs, which is one of my favorite things uh, <laughs> that I can be doing. Yeah. You know, get rid of all those layers. I'm done with them. We're probably not done with them. I'll take out my spring and summer wardrobe. I switch them out. Okay. And then immediately it will start raining and it'll be like three degrees. Yeah.
1: But you look primed and ready.
0: I'm ready for it now. Yeah. So we'll see what happens in the future.
1: Love it. Um, I got to admit, like every other guest, I researched you as if we had matched on Hinge. Great. Like just wore out the Google in terms of looking up what you do and what you're about. You
0: had to look at so many pictures of otters.
1: Oh, So many otters. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I equally learned about you and otters, actually.
0: I'm really proud of you. <laughs> They're important animals.
1: One uh, interesting tidbit of information that I did come across was your Rate My Professor's Ratings. And my favorite review... I'm scared.
0: <laughs> I don't look at them because I got a really bad one a couple years ago that was so mean. Oh, really? And it, I think someone reported it. It was so awful. And then it got taken down.
1: I don't recall... It was basically
0: like a total MRA review of oh, me. Like, yeah. it was it was bad.
1: Yeah, that wasn't going to be peachy. So.
0: No, it was really bad. Wait, is this podcast PG? I said peachy. Oh, peachy. Yeah. I thought you said PG. This, this
1: podcast can go g to rated r wherever you want what to about, take it what about x can, is that still a rating <laughs> we're gonna have to get it some into some real like graphic descriptions of things since Great. it's only audio but i
0: mean i think that's fine you think that that's that's not gonna get people off graphic <laughs> descriptions on audio for sure it is people how many people do you think jerk off to podcasts
1: uh i hope all my listeners do Agreed. i encourage i it. hope
0: that about mine as well <laughs> So we're doing great. <laughs> anyway, back to this thing I'm scared of. Yes,
1: the uh, the rate my my review or rate my professors the reviews. Uh, my favorite review was from one of your many five star reviews, and it was a student who wrote this. Even if you don't think you're funny enough, Dina will make you feel like you are. So I'm begging. For you to extend that courtesy to me, one hundred percent. I'm already doing
0: it. Are you? (laughs) You're a natural. (laughs) It's happening right now. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Um, On fun and sexy topics, I really want to talk about our wonderful prime minister. If I can,
0: I would um, not use either of those descriptors (laughs) for him. So I'm trying to be nice
1: before we. uh,
0: You can be as nice as you would like to be. Yeah.
1: So recently, the and he
0: also he used to live here, and he was like a substitute teacher here. Oh yeah, yeah, right.
1: Yeah, he's a big snowboard snowboard guy. (laughs) One of those. I don't know.
0: I grew up near a lot of mountains. Now I live near a lot of mountains, and
1: Mm.
0: it's a real mixed bag. People who are interested in uh, shredding the slopes. (laughs) Anyways, continue.
1: Well, I I I noticed this week the social arbiters of social justice, the Conservative Party of Canada.
0: See, that's a good joke. Great joke. joke. (laughs) Thank you. Total surprise at the end. (laughs)
1: Um, I'm trying to work on my technique. Um, But no, they came out with an attack ad against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and they basically called him a fake feminist. And of course, this is on the heels of that damning uh, Maclean's cover article calling him uh, an imposter. So I want your opinion, because I feel like you would have a big opinion on this. Is Justin Trudeau a fake feminist?
0: 100%. He's fake fake a lot of stuff. (laughs) He's like, he fake cares about uh, indigenous people. Mm -hmm. He He fake cares about whatever he just feels like. He's a rich white guy from a fancy background, and he doesn't have to care if he doesn't want to. So as much as... You know, he in some ways and his party is more left leaning than mm-hmm. our previous government. I mean, it's still by far in this like centrist attitude and centrism is possibly the most complicit thing you can be. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's he's very fake.
1: He's very fake. Do you think he's uh, over, like he's It you're taking a very cynical approach like you think. Yeah, he, super cynical. So he, you think he knows he's being fake.
0: I of course I, I do think that okay, I mean he wasn't he a drama teacher he knows he knows what he's doing <laughs> he like read some monologues he did some scene study he did some character work right um I mean of course he he's can a, make
1: it rain with his tears when he, he wants
0: f- he fully can yeah, yeah I think he can but again I mean everyone is gonna have good and bad in them the choices that they make sure. are gonna be good and bad I I think to be a writer you have to understand that part of it for sure you can't just write a totally villainous character and I think have people think you're a good writer
1: right you know like there
0: has to be something in there so I do believe that about people but yeah he's he's not he's not doing a great job if I was giving him a rate my performer
1: my prime minister prime yeah rate my (laughs)
0: prime (laughs) minister.com It's like a two stars. It's an O oh,
1: two star. That's not bad. So it's
0: pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Harper gets negative two. Right. But like he he two stars. But he could drop.
1: I want to run an idea by you. Kill okay, let hear it. I'm ready. Trudeau. I don't think he's a fake feminist. I think he's a shallow feminist, and I think we should have been wise to this, or maybe I should have been wise to this, and people like me should have been wise to this when he first became our prime minister. If you recall, there was that. Uh, excellent soundbite that he had when someone asked him about his gender... And he
0: knew what year it was.
1: Yeah, exactly. Someone asked him about his gender equitable cabinet, and he said, well, because it's 2015. And we and the media uh, and the electorate and people like me who who voted for him and voted for the party, we lapped it up. We loved that, right? But when you look at that answer... It means nothing. It's it's so lacking any substance in the sense that if he wanted to answer that, I think as a as a feminist would or someone who is trying to promote certain progressive ideas, they would say, well, you know what? Uh, Historically, there have been underrepresented voices at high levels of government and as a prime minister. And he could have even said as a man, I want to give those underrepresented voices the voice, uh, both in my cabinet and in my country, and all my appointments are more than worthy. Right. Like that. He could have summed that down in 10 seconds. He's a drama teacher. He could have figured it out. But a 10 second clip, which would have been so much more powerful and I think would have lasted more than just like this cheap soundbite that we all sensationalized over. Yeah. You know what essentially, I
0: mean? it was like a meme response. Yeah. Instead of actually like interrogating his own behavior, interrogating, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of behavior right and uh what that actually looks like he didn't do that at all and I think he's almost like someone who has had so much media training possibly his whole life Mm -hmm. and so coming up with those kinds of things saying things like that come more easily to him as well so I'm sure there's Someone out there who's got a much deeper analysis of all of this. Sure. Yours is very good. Thank you. Uh, and I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I think it's a shallowness. I also think like he's the feminist he thinks he is. Yeah. So there are lots of people that are feminists or call themselves some, like a turf, for example. Like sure. just a just a bad person. Uh, there are people who use the word who truly are not maybe uh, encompassing all that. It means. Right. And I think that's part of it too. And so I think the concept of shallowness totally ties in with that.
1: Yeah. Because I almost feel like he, he like you sort of alluded to, I think he thinks that he is. I definitely I think, think he's that one he of those people that goes to a, a fancy soiree to save the environment. Uh, yeah. And, you know, where he's hands. like,
0: people paid a lot of money to eat this ocean wise meal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. That's how I see him. I don't, and I think that there's a separation between that and, Being fake. Because I feel like being fake is such a much more, again, cynical or purposeful thing. I do think
0: there sometimes, though, is some level of intention. And that's where it gets murky. Sometimes you are doing things in order to appear a certain way to people.
1: Mm. So
0: I think that's where the fakeness comes in. Yeah. And also maybe to, like, be a person that you have projected to be so that other people can keep seeing you in that way. Sure. Yeah. And I, I mean... The concept of accountability has come up so much uh, in the past few years in a lot of different ways, and people don't like doing it. People don't like admitting they have made mistakes, Uh, whether they're legal or illegal. Mm -hmm. People don't want to do that. And I think, honestly, the more that you do, even if you are leading a whole country or you're supposed to be, I think it's fine to admit any type of mistake. Yeah, You know, to be like, We should have done this. This is a thing that happened. How do we move forward from this? I mean, we have to do this all the time in our personal lives.
1: Yeah. And I thought that was When shit
0: is messed up, we got to (laughs) like move forward in some way. And that often means horrible, uncomfortable things. Yeah. And I thought that's
1: what being an adult was all about. Like when you're a kid and you do something wrong, you know, you're uh, if If you have good parents, I had really nice parents, and they would teach me that, you know, it's okay that you made this mistake, but it's you don't lie about it or you don't try to make excuses for it. You own up to the mistake that you made. And, but somehow as an adult, uh, we have to, we, I don't know, fall back into those habits of trying to spin something and deflect away. Totally. And I think this is where
0: entitlement comes from. And I think his very specifically, again, he's raised in the public eye, he's a famous guy. Yeah. People think he's attractive. Publishers make books called like "My Canadian Boyfriend" or whatever, uh, or coloring books or paper is dolls. Trudeau, is there a Trudeau coloring? book? I don't know if there is. I could be just taking this too far. But there book. definitely is a book. Yeah, like a little book that has heart pictures of him. Sure, I'm sure all that exists. Yeah. I'm sh- honestly, like, there probably is a coloring book of him. There's probably a paper dolls book. <laughs> it's everything is ready to be sold to us.
1: Yeah, love Not it. Buy it up. Uh, you ever subtweet him?
0: I mean not him specifically. I no. feel like he I don't know if he's worth my time. Uh I know of course he is. I mean it's I just feel like I more often retweet uh people who are much smarter than me who are talking about him.
1: Right. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And
0: people who are you know staying 100% up to date on everything.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um on the topic of subtweeting, sure. Can you uh, explain to me exactly what constitutes subtweeting? Because apparently, my sources tell me that you're very good at this. I
0: don't know if I'm very good at it, <laughs> but I mean, subtweeting is essentially when you're tweeting about something yeah. or someone, but you're not saying who it is. Yeah. Um, to me, this and I again, this is something that I also I think I'm quite knowledgeable about. But
1: please, to me, it yeah. also
0: kind of I think, finds a similar place with the blind item, which is a piece of gossip, usually about a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And they have been around forever, like before TMZ and everything that we have now. Uh, they used to be printed in like the newspaper, and then magazines would have them, and now they're online. What is the blind item? So a blind item is the same thing. It's a piece of gossip that is about... A celebrity, but they're not identified. So there are clues oh. within. So if you hmm. know the clues, you'll figure it out. So it could be something like this star and her friend. And you're like, okay, well, this person is maybe on friends. And then it kind of describes oh. like was seen canoodling with such and such at blah, blah, blah. So there's like, it's very artful to me because you have to have the information embedded in the text.
1: Interesting, But it's not,
0: yeah. And I've been... Varying to celebrity <laughs> gossip and writing about celebrities for many years. Sure. And uh, it's a really, I think it's a very fascinating art form. It's really cool. And I think the subtweet is somewhat similar. Because you're essentially making a comment about something, but you don't want the other person to know. Right. Uh, you're just like, you're trash talking them, but you're not addressing them. So, you know, on Twitter you can tag someone, you can say at whoever, mm-hmm. but you're not doing that. Yeah. But it very clearly is about them or a particular
1: situation or whatever. And you're taking it from this artistic perspective of creating, like, the shroud of mystery and, like, clues embedded within the subtweet itself.
0: I think sometimes I am, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's I mean, cool. I, that I did not know yeah. about subtweeting. I thought I, I was just talking shit without tagging someone. I mean, it definitely <laughs> is.
0: It is. But for me, I, I like to take things, even especially, like, the worst, pettiest parts of myself, and just really make them a dart. Yeah. That's where I like to go. Take my pettiness. Just, like, churn it up. Pour it out.
1: That's a great way to channel kind of art form. to channel pettiness.
0: I think so. I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad for me or the world. Yeah. But sometimes it just feels like what I have to do in the moment. Now to get a little bit of uh, what is it serotonin. Yeah. Yeah. Just like run through my my brain. <laughs>
1: yeah. Would you recommend it for uh, someone who's feeling a little blue?
0: I'm. I'm. I mean, a little I'm, frustrated with the world. Listen, I'm not a professional, uh, Twitter doctor, but. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do it.
1: Do yeah. it. Everyone do it. I love it. Um, b- before we talk a little more about subtweeting, I w- this blind item thing. Uh, I love how you described that. I I did not know that that existed. But is that how we got like Urban Myths with Richard Gere and the hamster and like- this, I'm sure <laughs> that- Marilyn Manson and his rib. Is that- Yeah, how I'm sure
0: fe- all of that stuff <laughs> definitely comes from these types of things. Yeah. And it also comes from things like the National Enquirer when they started up- they mm. obviously are picking up on that kind of news, but I think it's more known now that they get paid a lot of, of money. Like pe- they try to want to run stories and try to run fake stories, and then people will pay them not, not to, to run it, it. Right? Yeah. Like that's their that's their whole game. Yeah. Why? Who even needs ads when you have that? <laughs> like that's amazing. What? A, what a genius concept. Your
1: your whole game is to get paid to not do business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great game. It's
0: basically like you're paying someone to sign an NDA after you've done a bunch of stuff. (laughs) But like in in the media. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange.
1: I love how, um, you know, when we're talking about subtweeting, in this very short time, I feel like, we've developed and coined all this new social phenomena, uh, mostly because of social media, but also just because of societal change, like whether it's subtweeting or ghosting or sliding into DMs. It's this whole, like, behavioral field that we hadn't really thought about or at least uh, coined or had before uh, that we can now introspectively obsess over. Um, and it's caused a lot of people to advocate for unplugging. But I read that you do not advocate for unplugging. You you advocate for the opposite. I
0: advocate, That's just for me, too. Like, I don't want to necessarily get other people on board. But for me, I think...
1: It read like you were imposing this on other
0: people. I mean, I definitely am (laughs) forcing them to, and I will be coming to your house, and I will be putting your iPad, your phone, your laptop, like all of it in your... In your hands at right. once and I'm going to make you tweet. I'm going to make you look at people's uh, baby photos, vacation photos. Right. I'm going to force you to participate in polls. It's going to be really intense and you're going to hate it.
1: Any top 10 list, you're going to click through you're it. You're
0: going to look at every single slide in that slideshow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, f- I just think part of it for me is like going back to, uh, I don't know, it's like an acknowledgement that this is who we are and this is how we live and we are participating in this Mm -hmm. and I think it should be more about yeah you know you can take a break like you don't have to be glued to your phone all day just like you aren't glued to your hopefully job or anything that you're doing in your daily life Mm -hmm. and it should be more about how are we interacting with these technological things that are now yeah like literally in our hands and our pockets yeah and I think It should be more about the way that we connect and the way that we communicate. And that's what we haven't learned.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: How to properly, I think, use those tools and how to take some of the things from the before time (laughs) and possibly incorporate them into what we're doing now. Yeah. Because, yeah, we're talking about subtweeting, which, again, is extremely petty. So before you would just like tell your friend, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you'd be like, oh, my God, you have to come over. I got three bottles of rosé, and we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> but now you can just tell anyone, right? So I think a lot of it is about how we are learning to interact, and if we are learning anything,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or it's just this behavior that we're barreling into. Yeah, you know. So for me, a lot of my ideas come from online. Uh, I love connecting with people in a way that is enjoyable to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also I'm very extroverted. Uh and so I kind of always want people to be interacting with me and around me. Sure. And the internet makes that possible for me. Yeah. But I also know there are a lot of introverted people who otherwise wouldn't have made connections without the internet. And so the problem is the more stressful parts of society start to come in regardless Mm -hmm. of, you know, how you want to structure your life because They're just they just can like They have the ability now to do that. And of course, yeah, there's lots of other things, you know, movements that have come about that maybe would have been more grassroots and different that are way bigger. You know, Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, I don't know more or even uh, I know a lot of uh, disability advocates who have come together this way. And so, of course, there's good and there's bad. Yes, trolls are terrible. Yes, Facebook finally decided that white supremacy is terrible and organizations <laughs> that support that are not allowed on their platform. They came
1: around. They well, figured it out. You know what? It only took
0: <laughs> seven hundred years. Whatever she says in the oh, in the in the Titanic when she's like, It's been eighty four years. Like yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's been. Sure. That old woman throwing the necklace in the ocean. Yeah. Um, that's how long it's been for Facebook. <laughs> They're like, White supremacy is it's a really nuanced topic and you're like no it's not yeah why are we still doing this yeah. yeah
1: I think you bring up a really great point because I think we almost have to learn how to perhaps navigate some of these online platforms because you can build community and and like as you said you know there are people that are introverted or perhaps people that to find similar or like-minded people in their community whether it is uh, you know, disability, or Twitter, you're or whatever else. Yeah, that's... a
0: variety of other ways, like even f- you know, physically distance. Exactly. It's a yeah. great.
1: It's a great way to connect. And um, I would agree. I, I don't. I mean, sometimes I have. the, I would say I have the privilege of being able to unplug for a weekend or whatever, and that feels great. But I would agree that we live in this world. This is our modern world. Learning boundaries and setting those boundaries and knowing what works best for you is probably better than swearing something off
0: and again and if I you think do if
1: you do want to swear off to twitter or facebook totally cool i right? agree but.
0: it's totally fine you don't have to participate mm-hmm. but for me it's it's i i every year uh visit my family and we have a cabin and it's at a lake and it's in northern washington mm-hmm. like i'm kind of bad at vacations because i have such a bad come down when i come back mm. and i think so it's also kind of you know finding that type of balance when you're offline, you're like, well, I don't have any of this stress, but you're also like, oh, well, I can't talk to anyone and I can't, uh, I forgot to do this thing. So you, like that part of your brain also doesn't, I, for me, it doesn't shut off. Sure. Like I'm still thinking about stuff I have to do. Yeah. Whether I'm doing it or not doing it. Yeah. You know,
1: I, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, and then to reiterate my point, I just think we just have to have that healthy relationship with that I totally stuff and agree. whatever. And it, it's different for everyone. It is. Right. Um, Now, what's interesting, I find, and why I'm also asking you about this, is because you have a book of short fiction called Don't Tell Me What to Do, which seems to fly in the face of our obsessive self-help culture. Do you think that we are too obsessed with being told what to do or to find those life hacks instead of just living?
0: I mean, I definitely think we are, and I, I think almost all my books have addressed in some way... Self help mm-hmm. culture and self betterment culture, and I think definitely living here where it's maybe I think more pronounced than a lot of other places. Like, sure. everyone here is really proud of how healthy they are, and how much yoga they do, and how beautiful their bodies are. In a very like, I'm using scare quotes because all bodies are beautiful. Are you sub podcasting me I'm right sub-podcasting now? Sub podcasting everyone. <laughs> if you have a podcast, I have I'm sub podcasting you every time I release a podcast. Uh, Love it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that would be so terrible. <laughs> I hate your podcast. I'm gonna have like, oh, what's that called when you record something and it's just like, you can barely like when the Beatles were uh, saying Paul's dead or whatever. It's uh, like und- sub. Oh, anyway. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember. You'll have to tell me later. You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying though, where there's like a hidden message. Sure. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm doing um, constantly. But there's always just a subliminal message subliminal yeah. thank you yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so still subbing it's
0: it's, it's a different sub <laughs> yeah. sub 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 sub. yeah yeah never in a submarine though
1: so so anyone who talks about yoga and uh, how healthy they are and how much kale they eat they suck i don't think saying. they suck at all <laughs> but i think that's me that's literally me in a nutshell but, but, but i think please. it's
0: I don't think people suck at all i just think the expectation sucks the expectation of what sure you should be and who you should be is really stressful and i think when you have that high expectation it also puts you in a position where if you're not doing those things you feel like a failure Mm -hmm. and other people who aren't doing those things are judged and feel like failures yeah and so there's this constant balance of that we also need to have with that boundaries around you know how we're perceiving other people Mm -hmm. and i think um you know don't tell me what to do yeah comes more from a place of just like i don't know i feel like a wildness just people wanting to make their own choices sure um the book itself and the characters and what they're doing and but on the self-help tip Uh, Yeah, I think my interest lies in just first off that it's an industry like so many other things Mm -hmm. like the cost of bettering ourselves is really high and not everyone also can afford that. So sometimes, yeah, yeah, this thing is it becomes really classist Mm -hmm. and also just the trends of it are so bizarre. Like we don't just live in a thing where okay, well, this is what I think is cool right now and I want to do it and it's cool. It's like, no, this is what everyone is doing and it's very cool. And if you don't get on board with this, (laughs) you're definitely going to not be as enlightened, wonderful, great. You're not going to be your best self. Sure. And sometimes we're not our best selves. Sometimes we're our worst selves. And sometimes we feel really like garbage. We feel like pure trash. Yeah. And it's also okay to feel bad. Mm -hmm. And... I think we're just told so often that we're not supposed to feel bad about anything, whether it's our physical body, whether it's our attitude. It's like that other thing, too like telling women to smile. Terrible. Don't do it. Uh, asking, you know, wanting people to be positive and stay positive. Like maybe mm-hmm. they can't. Yeah. Maybe they just cannot yeah at
1: all I mean I I've been told that I'm a a very positive person and I think I magnetize that around me and I like people that are you know happy-go-lucky positive but I think it it lacks such an expectation to think that uh, or it lacks such empathy to think that everyone should be positive because you don't know what someone's going through you don't know what someone's day day day-to-day is like or you know what's happening in their lives and I think you're right. I I, I've uh, I've been, you know, obsessed with self-help culture for a period in my life and it it helped me in a lot of ways. Like I learned a lot and learned to critically think. But I found there come there came a point for me where I was like, I'm more concerned about thinking in all these different frameworks about how to optimize my life than actually like living a a fulfilling, fruitful life. Right. And even just the focus of that. Um, and it took me that to learn, so I don't have any regrets, but I do, I do find it so fascinating people that get all in on self-help because I was one of those people and a lot of us do it. Yeah. And and we're just trying to find an answer. We're just trying to find something to get into a groove. Um, and maybe that, you know, maybe you will find the channel through
0: that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, again, this is speaking of someone who just downloaded an astrology app three days ago. Oh yeah. So like, you know, I think it's again how was your uh, about, sorry to interrupt yeah, how was
1: your mercury retrograde A terrible <laughs> uh
0: i actually today ended up sending some emails that i had totally put off because i was like my brain isn't working at all wow. so i can't handle this yeah interesting so it was really like i had to just everything was very day by day yeah during that time for me okay. uh, and i was doing more thinking less action this morning I did a bunch of action items <laughs> on my, for this week, 14 part to-do list. Did a bunch. Wow. Um, getting them done. Is that the magic number, 14? No, it just happened to be this particular okay. week. Okay. It cha- it's it's got to change week to week, you know? Uh, I think some people also struggle with routine because they get bored and then they're unable to continue uh you know doing those tasks they get restless they need a little they need to shake it up not everyone is going to be the same it's so prescriptive
1: yeah yeah and it's also sometimes you might um be trying to quote unquote fix one part of your life thinking that's the problem when you're actually you're not getting into something deeper than maybe that Deserves a little more attention, and right?
0: All it's constant like this. You never get to just be unless you choose to be, right? Like you can choose to just be like, okay, well, I'm just gonna be, as I said earlier, really, like I'm just gonna be a mess right now, and then I'm gonna work towards something else. Yeah, it's always small incremental stuff that mm-hmm. you have to adjust, interrogate in yourself, whatever it is. Yeah,
1: there's just so much introspection. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's good just to not think about that stuff.
0: uh, The other thing, too, is I think that puts so much into you and on you. And Mm -hmm. sometimes people stop thinking about other people. Like, ask other people how they're doing. Find out what's going on with them. Mm. You know, see what else is happening out in the world. And I think sometimes self-help culture really puts the onus on You, you are the arbiter of change and everything comes from you. And it's like, yeah, but you're involved in all sorts of relationships. You work with people. You see people uh, in customer service roles all the time. Are you, you know, there's so many things around you and interactions that you have in a day. Are you considering any of those people?
1: Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I want to talk about your new book. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. This book is all about navigating the big deals in our lives. So let's start from the beginning. To you, what is a big deal?
0: I mean, I think I wrote the book to kind of avoid (laughs) ever having to say, this is a big deal. Right. But so many things are, and I think it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes something will be a huge deal to you, and then two years later, you're like, why did I even care about that? Yeah. Like it was so but that's
1: most things of right it like as you get things. when you get older there's so many things you look back on and you're just like why did i ever stress about that
0: right i and- mean i still lots of, when people say like they have no regrets it just always sounds like <laughs> lies to me because i think it's it is also fine to have regrets it's fine to be like i should have made a different choice here yeah because that also means you're thinking about correcting it's good to have about, regrets
1: but not beating like depending on what it yeah, is but yeah, beating yeah. yourself up over some stupid thing you did right?
0: for sure for sure it's like this whole thing that we have yeah, now where everyone's there's always memes about like people lying awake at night with anxiety from something they said right at a party yeah. there's like a million memes yeah. and like little web comics about people just worrying that they said something at a party that was
1: awful yeah i won't sleep tonight after this podcast yeah. I'm taking to a tally, an inventory of all the stuff. i going <laughs> straight to sleep. <laughs> you're, just, you're killing it. Um, yeah. well I, I like this idea of talking about things that are a big deal. Because, as I said, um, when you look back in time, and if I look at things that I thought were a big deal when I was 20, none of that stuff mattered. Yeah. So now the stuff that I think is a big deal has 34 I'm curious how I'll feel at 45 looking at <laughs> looking at this stuff, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even in writing about things, mm-hmm. some things I was looking back on, and some things I was thinking about now. Uh, whether personally, there are is some personal stuff in the book, or whether about the world overall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, some things I was just like, oh, I thought a couple when I started working on the book, like maybe I would write about this, and I just didn't at all because I just wasn't interested anymore, like. It became not a big deal. Yeah. And I also was thinking about things that other people maybe consider a big deal. So it was more, uh, yeah, kind of outside myself. Like, what are the types of things that people think of as a big deal? Right. Out there in the world? Yeah. And how could I either maybe flip the script or find a new entry point to writing about that mm-hmm. in some way? Um, so, yeah, some of the poems are about just have like a big deal type name, like politics or mm-hmm. culture or whatever. And so then I had to decide sort of what facet of that I was going to try and explore. Right. And I wanted it to be maybe not surprising, but maybe something that was just more um, specific mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to do some, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I, th- I think it works. Huge. And and there was moments where, again, as a book being called It's a Big Deal, there was moments where I'd read, you know, some of your poems and then laugh about how what you were writing about, you're basically saying it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Which, again, I would attribute to most of existence. It's like, eh, it's not a big deal. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) And there are things that are a big deal, and we ignore them all the time. Yeah. Like in the book, I do sort of kind of uh, start to talk about climate change and bigger Mm -hmm. things that are happening, but I'm doing it through the last section of the book is about extinct megafauna. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. Yeah, we will get to that. But Yeah. yeah, and that's I kind of wanted to talk about... Uh, you know, these animals that are already extinct and then kind of bring in the modern world and look at those two things together.
1: Yeah. Um, That section was really interesting because I'm sitting, I'm sitting there on the plane. I'm reading your book. And the
0: air is making you so teary. So teary. Yeah. (laughs) I always
1: cry on the plane. It's true. Um, But I get through the tip section. I get through the talk it out section and I get through the big idea section. I'm loving it. You're a great talent. And, and then there's the swerve. Yeah. Uh, the last section, as you just mentioned, is megafauna. It's all about extinct megafauna. And I'm like sort of recalling things that I learned or or, or <laughs> pretended yeah, that yeah. I learned <laughs> from uh, Yuval Noah Harari's uh, book Sapiens, because he talks about a few of those yeah. creatures. Um, And that was a very big swerve for me. I mean, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was a great section. Um, So, so this was really... Cl- Tied into climate change or your, your, I think in some ways, think...
0: I think in some ways it, it is. And not, yeah. obviously not all of the poems. Like a lot of it is about other elements of modernity mm-hmm. that connect to the previous, uh, sections. Yeah. And there is some overlap in terms of concepts between the sections and the megafauna section. And those mm-hmm. are, yeah, those are intentional. And I actually wrote those poems first. They were the first poems oh. that were written for the book. Uh, followed by the tip section. And then the other two were kind of floating around, and I hadn't really figured them out. Right. But I started writing that um, section. I went to Whitehorse in 2013 when my first book came out. They had a poetry festival, and they have this beautiful interpretive center there, the Beringia Interpretive Center. Okay. And they've discovered so many mammoths there. Oh, okay. And Hmm. uh, I've always kind of been interested in this stuff. And so then, yeah, a friend took me and we went and I was like, this is amazing. I didn't know there were giant beavers. I'm learning so much. <laughs> this is exciting. Yeah. Um, and they just have the beaver skulls there. They didn't have any of there's not, I think, not that many full body beavers, but this is getting great. <laughs> so many full body beavers, but they haven't found all the pieces. Um, these beavers are giant but they can't find all the pieces. So of their bodies. So um yeah, I was fascinated. I could tell. They had big, uh, r- like, replicas, Yeah, like statues of them, similar to when you go to La Brea and they have some big statues there as well of some of the extinct megafauna outside the tar pits.
1: Gotcha. Amazing. Okay.
0: Also amazing. Yeah. Just highly recommend going to both of these places. Okay. Two of the most amazing, nerdiest, best visits you can have. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, what can I do with this? And mm-hmm. I just started getting really excited, especially about the ground sloths, because I kept discovering there were more and more and more. Yeah. There were so many it, ground sloths. Yeah. And I was like, these are amazing. And now we picture slots and they're so tiny and <laughs> they move so slowly. Yeah. They can't fart. FYI, just so everyone knows slots. They can't
1: no. fart? No. Why? They don't have butts? What's they that? <laughs> do.
0: No, they do have butts because I think they poo like a lot. Okay. I can't remember now what it is, but it's. I think it's something You're to gonna do... You're going to throw out a fact like so that. I, you got to be able to explain it. I just it. <laughs> remembered in the moment what it was. I, I think it has something to do with how things process in their body. Everything about them is slow.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Wow. They're
0: such beautiful creatures. So
1: so you you saw all this, and and this was the origin for the book. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Did you foresee it turning out this way or did you think you were just going to write a book just or we have poems on megafauna?
0: That's what I thought at first. Yeah. Or that I would just write some poems about megafauna and then maybe something else would connect to it. Right. Uh, which is sort of similar to my first book where the first section is all about self-help. It's all about emotions. Mm-hmm. And then the second section is all about animals. Right. And mostly about otters. This is a thing you do. Yeah. Okay. This, yeah, this is, it kind of is. Yeah. And then when I was putting it together, I was like, well, it's fine. I don't have that many like I'm, I'm not that interesting. Like I can't do that many things, you know. I only have so many, like skills. Putting the, you're a doing book it together, pretty well. Putting a book together that has self-help and animals, great. Yeah, I got this. I'm on it. No, you're killing it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I so I'm just try- so. When did you decide? Like, okay, here I have these poems about megafauna, but I'm going to expand it and and make it about these big deals in our modern lives.
0: It was when I wrote the poem, It's a Big Deal,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's in the book, in the talk it out section. And okay. then I started to think about, oh, there actually are connections between a bunch of seemingly disparate pieces that I've been working on,
1: mm-hmm.
0: poems that I didn't think went together. But they all kind of do. And so then I used It's a Big Deal as sort of the banner under which everything else was going to live.
1: Interesting. So if things yeah. then
0: related to the concept of a big deal, yeah, then I could put them in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's really cool, yeah. I was very curious because I know I got to that section and it it was a big swerve for me and I was not familiar with your previous works, but um, that's really cool. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and I I do really love to theme things and have things be connected. A lot of poetry books aren't like this. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways to write a poetry book, but lots of books are, you know, poems that are, yeah, individual, and so they kind of connect in some way, maybe sectionally, but they might not. Yeah. And I think overall, thematically, books usually have... A thread, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, I just got really into it.
1: No, well, you've, you've sort of illuminated what <laughs> yeah. that thread is in, yeah. in this for, so for sure. Um, I want to stick to talk about, uh, uh, stick to the megafauna section for just one more second.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the you bo- think I want to stop talking about megafauna? <laughs> That's know. wild. I definitely don't. It's all I want to talk about.
1: <laughs> good, good. Then you'll <laughs> love this next question. Yay! Uh, it ends on the giant otter, mm-hmm. uh, naturally, because you are an otter enthusiast. Yep. And I've always been a big fan of otters because anytime I've seen them, they're so playful and they're full of joy and they seem like they're good-natured. And as we learned over the winter, apparently they can be pretty badass too. Um, but what is it about otters that, that speaks to you, that resonates with you?
0: Well, just to go back to that, yeah, otters, obviously you're talking about the Chinatown otter and the koi that were eaten yes. in uh, Dr. Sun yat senators classical Chinese garden, which is very sad. But also, it was very exciting for people. Uh, and otters are predators. Mm-hmm. They're all from the weasel family. Yeah. And there's many... Sea weasels. Yeah. <laughs> but some are from the sea, some are from the river. Right,
1: right. Yeah,
0: so there's a variety of... Di- some are giant, still, mm-hmm. that live in the Amazon.
1: Oh, they still have giant
0: otters? They're not the same okay. as those giant otters. Um, they're different, but they, are, they look much different than... Uh, they're giant river otters. Mm. They look much different than a sea otter or even a small otter. Interesting. Uh, they have a really weird, they look like, no not matter what, they look like an old man. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: They look like Walter Mathau. <laughs> like all the giant otters of the Amazon just look like Walter Mathau. Yeah. Like that's their face. Okay. They're beautiful, but <laughs> super creepy. There's a planet Earth about them. Okay. Definitely check it out. I
1: will. It's on the list.
0: Yeah. When I was a kid, I grew up in a small town and there were river otters everywhere. River otter, we're lousy with river otters in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think almost every country or continent almost has them. Um, Is that right? I think so. They're that common? River otters are super common. There's lots in Europe, North America, there's tons. Uh, There's Asian small clawed otters. And those are the ones that if you ever see people on Instagram that have pet otters, it's always those otters. Okay. Because they're really small. Okay. Uh, they're like cat-sized. Oh, so interesting. People let them, they're smaller than a dog. They're like running around their house. I mean, it's probably not the greatest idea. No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was just always fascinated with them. They were. They were so playful. And I'd read, a, for whatever reason, there were a lot of kids' books about otters when I was a kid. Mm. And um, I learned about how they go up in the mountainside in the snow and they would build slides and they're yeah they really are some of the only animals that intentionally play yeah and they juggle rocks they, they yeah, do they, juggle they, rocks they yeah. make their own sli- <laughs> they make their own slides like they're very very fun yeah so i was always fascinated with that and then uh when i moved here i got really into the aquarium otters and sea otters because i hadn't really seen them hmm and and they hold hands. They hold hands, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's my first book. Uh, I wrote a bunch of poems about the two otters that were at the aquarium that were filmed holding hands, where there's like, I don't know, a billion views or however many. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a series of poems about them called Celebrity Otter. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all numbered, and they had uh, – about the different otters that at that time were alive. And then they both died within like six months of each other.
1: Oh, and those so, original ones. Those Yeah, oh, those I ones. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Huh.
0: And Nyack had – she was from Exxon Valdez. Okay. Uh, rescue. Yeah. She was, I think, not like days old, maybe. Like very young. Oh, interesting. And so she basically spent her whole life at the aquarium. Yeah. She was almost 20. Yeah. So like pretty intense. Yeah. But she yeah. had like obviously a more chill life than being covered in oil.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could have could have ended up could being a ended. lot worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, they're already endangered. And then that's got to happen. I know. Terrible news. Terrible. So... Once I started, yeah, looking into different like the different aspects of different types of otters, I got even more excited. Yeah. I was like, Well these otters do this and these otters do this and yeah. I saw a baby otter last year, it like almost destroyed me. It was one of the greatest things. In the wild. Oh yeah. I was swimming and I came out of the water and it was just walking along the rocks and I was like
1: <gasps> This was here?
0: No, this was in uh in the interior. Okay, cool. I was like, This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was truly magical time
1: i've me. only seen uh baby seals
0: oh seals are like great
1: day day old baby seals baby
0: seals are very cute i mean I <laughs> they're love, also very cute i love aquatic life yeah aquatic life is aquatic mammals i love, mammals, I'm gonna I, go love with. I like fish hmm. what about sharks
1: no no you don't like them i'm uh i have a very special kinship with dolphins that is my animal I mean, dolphins are beautiful yeah that's my jam Dolphins and sharks do not get along. That's true. So I'm not down with sharks. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I don't think we should cut off their fins, but right. uh otherwise. Right. I don't wanna don't want to be friends. Do you with
0: think a shark. there is a megalodon deep in the ocean that we oh, haven't found? For sure. See, this is this is what I came for. The full <laughs> conspiracy experience of now this is what I crave. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There, no, they're living there. Because there are things in our natural world that are just breaking common knowledge and paradigms all the time so if you're gonna tell me
0: like super 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 old fossils yeah the other day that were like they're like this is the oldest thing we've ever found
1: exactly yeah and they're just they're changing the way that we look at the world and and i mean we're not even talking about space and how infinite that is so you know is there something that we haven't discovered or something magical in the ocean i mean i know
0: that it probably (laughs) isn't true but i want to think that it is it's probably true I mean, it better be.
1: Or something along those lines. Yeah. Maybe not how you picture it exactly. Sure. Fair enough. But something along those lines.
0: It would be really cool if it was true. <laughs> well, they didn't used to think that giant squids were around. That's true. Now they are.
1: Yeah. Um. You said something interesting. You said that you were sad about the river otter. That
0: I was, felt, I just felt like it was a complicated
1: situation. Let's get into this. Why? <laughs>
0: well, because the koi are trapped in that pond.
1: They're fish.
0: They are fish, but they're beautiful and they're special to that culture. And it just made me feel sad.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I felt very <clears throat> conflicted because I was like, I love that this is being a badass. Mm-hmm. But I and obviously also You know, like, why is it doing this? Probably because there's something wrong with its food supply or. Exactly. You know, like there's all sorts of reasons. That's why it's more sad. That's why the layers (laughs) of sadness are just like weighing on this otter. I love that it pieced out into the night, though. I can't lie. Yeah. It was like, we're done here. Or was it a conspiracy? Oh, you think? Wait, did you just come up with a theory right now? Because I would love to hear it.
1: I think people kept it on the down low. I think there was a cover up. I don't know. <laughs> Suddenly this, this 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 otter, you know, this total G, this, yeah. this outlaw yeah. is is terrorizing the neighborhood <laughs> and then it just disappears one day, it just stops.
0: Multiple people did accuse me of putting the otter in the in Dr. Sanyad Sons. They're like, We know what you did, and I was like, Oh yeah, I definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> My, um, I creep in the night. Yeah, I have a little cage. I lure otters into it, and then I obviously throw them into koi ponds immediately. Right. It's one of my number this, one. Was this a real? Was activities. this a
1: real accusation?
0: I don't think they were real. because you were that you were that
1: obsessed with otters. People that just people... know. Yeah. yeah.
0: My inbox, my like mentions, my phone, everything was blowing up when this was happening. Of course, because yeah. everyone's like, we know that you need to know about this, and I'm like. I, A, no, B, because I did it. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> uh, yeah. But some people were like, did you? Did you do this? People just want to make fun jokes. I get it. Sure. I'm okay. into it. Um, it's a fun scandal for me to pr- potentially have captured an otter and yeah. thrown it into this beautiful Chinese garden.
1: Absolutely. I think it's interesting that once this was going on, and it was going on for a couple of weeks, people started attributing. Like cultural narratives yeah, to what's happening and they, they did and they went team otter or team Koi, and people were putting it through a colonialism uh framework yeah. and then they were putting it through a housing framework. And uh then it then it became problematic to be one team or the other. Yeah. Um so I'm I wanna be very clear that I'm just talking about the animals and the literal. Yeah, one hundred
0: percent. Like, we're just talking about the animals. Please don't kick uh, seniors out of Chinatown. Yeah. So I could say a bunch of other stuff, but like just, yeah, that's obviously not what's going on. And exactly. that's not what we're talking about.
1: I just love the, the, you know, the free spirit of this river otter. Like, yeah. it's out there hanging out by the dumpster. It's not supposed to be in the city. Everyone is trying to catch it, but they can't, you know, can't be caught. And better we idolize this river otter as the legend it is than like, you know scarface or any of these other fictional gangsters like this river otter was a real gangster yeah like
0: people dorm rooms gonna have huge (laughs) posters of this otter the scarface poster is done that's done it's over
1: it's the otter ripping off the koi fish's head yeah 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 Yeah. that that i would rather people look up to that
0: (laughs) than scarface i know of course i agree (laughs) What if the otter has a huge mountain of cocaine that it rolls around in? No,
1: no. Then we have some then – we, then we're promoting the wrong values yeah. I here.
0: mean, it could – it's unclear. But lots of river otters do live uh, along the shoreline. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we've kind of uh, encroached upon there. Natural yeah.
0: environment. I and guess. I mean, they're obviously as I said earlier, <laughs> the world is lousy with river otters. So they can they can really survive anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. They're to- yeah, they're total predators. They they'll tear into all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, aside from otters and dresses, I've heard that you're also quite knowledgeable about rom coms.
0: Oh. I'm pretty knowledgeable. Yeah.
1: I mean, you wrote a book of poetry based around I uh, did. rom-coms. So I yeah. feel like you're well-versed in this genre.
0: Yeah. I co-wrote a book uh, with Daniel Zamparelli, who was uh, the original host of the podcast that I have, can Oh, Lit. OK. Cool. And yeah, now that I host with Jensu Fung Lee. And yeah, so I obviously have watched I watched a lot of rom-coms <laughs> as a kid, because they were almost like the safe kind of comedy you could watch with your family if, if it was PG-13.
1: Right. Yeah, you know, and and I think uh, up until recently most rom coms were always PG PG thirteen. Yeah. Now we've started to get some of the R rated. Yeah, Rom coms, sure. right? Um, what's your favorite rom com? I mean,
0: though? I really love Moonstruck.
1: Oh yeah, a okay. Lot.
0: Um, I just everyone in it is so good. Mm-hmm. Cher is amazing. Um, I do love when Harry met Sally, but I love. Uh, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher, the best. Okay, they're amazing. Uh, I love Bridesmaids Okay. as of like contemporary yeah, modern rom choice. com. I think it's so good,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it really puts the rom to the side for the most part. It's really about the <laughs> com. Yeah, and the rom is more like like a. It's the love is coming from a place of friendship, which mm-hmm. I also really love. Um, oh, there's. I'm sure there's I, there's tons I could think of, but yeah. I mean, there's lots of good rom-coms.
1: What are, the, what are the worst sort of rom-com tropes? Like, what does the rom-com genre just have to get rid of?
0: I mean, I think, I don't know if it's a trope, but I think the whiteness and the straightness <laughs> of rom-coms, like, we can mix that up. Like, yeah. it's time, you know? Okay. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily a trope, but I think it actually contributes to some of the other tropes that we associate with rom-coms, like having, you know, friends of color or fat friends who are they don't get to participate in yeah. in the ROM part of the And they're com. the they're the they're comedic just the com. release. They're just the com <laughs> yeah they're calm only role. So yeah. I think you know, moving that stuff around mm. will give a new dynamic. Right. Will eliminate some of those tropes. Yeah. Uh yeah, like the schlubby best friend is f- fine, but they never have anything else to do. Like their interest is always to the lead they don't have their own stuff going on right when they should have their own stuff going on like that just overall in terms of storytelling makes a better story makes things more interesting more exciting yeah they're like dressing they're like no we put a black person on this they're over there (laughs) running and getting a thing for that person it's like it's
1: cool yeah
0: yeah (laughs) like that's a fun thing for them to do
1: i'm thinking of the um the best friend now and like the lead being like, oh, man, I have this big problem. And they're trying to, you know, get some advice from their best friend. And their best friend's like, you know what? I got my own stuff going on. Can't talk to you. Yeah.
0: That would be amazing because it would have forced different storytelling to happen in the movie. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, okay, I'm taking consult from this person. <laughs> you have to, like, find other solutions. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm a – I mean, my contemporary choice would be the big sick. I was a big fan Uh no reason not to say that. that's good, yeah, well, I loved it., um, I mean, it was a great film it was I thought it was really funny, but also just on a personal level because there was a Pakistani protagonist yeah. that I think uh, maybe not entirely uh, the same life that I had when growing up, but certainly similar ideas and cultural ideas and, and balancing both of these worlds, I thought, was uh, very fascinating. And it was cool to have that story yeah. out there and something that I could resonate with in a, in a way that was also very mainstream. Like, you could not know anything about growing up uh, with Pakistani ancestry and still enjoy yourself.
0: Well, and I think the thing overall is the the standard should not be whiteness. Yeah. Right? And so that's what we have been... that's what we've experienced sure so if that's not then it it should be fine but the yeah that paradigm is so rooted yeah like we gotta push against it and it makes me think about um oh what's it called i'm not gonna remember it's fine but i yeah i like that you brought that up because i think uh specificity Mm -hmm is something that I'm especially telling my students. I'm like, no, don't try and make this like a universal thing. Like what is specific to you actually Mm. makes it better. It makes it more relatable. Yeah. And I mean, this is also why I love poetry, because I think you can put such specific things um, into the text on a line by line level and make it interesting. Mm -hmm. and, But also get people on board for for the ideas that you
1: have. Just like subtweeting.
0: Just like subject. I mean, it's all all a beautiful melange. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the specificity of something like The Big Sick Mm -hmm. is what makes it interesting. But I think it also is what makes it relatable because it still has the same emotional connection. Yeah. Like that stuff is the same. The framework in so many ways is similar to what we're used to experiencing like in a narrative.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So why? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that said, while I'm on board with all of that, I will admit that my favorite uh, rom com. I'm really excited to find out. <laughs> this is
0: like a big moment. They Have both? you ever revealed this on the podcast before? Not
1: on the podcast, no. This is a secret that so only... only friends, only dear, dear friends. Exactly, know? yeah. Your closest people. And now 12 more people are going to find out. I so. can't wait. <laughs> I mean, this is
0: podcasting in a nutshell. How many listeners? Well, there were uh, 10 downloads uh, five days ago. And that's the insider scoop on podcasting, everyone. (laughs) Um,
1: So the common thread between them is that they're both Joseph Gordon-Levitt movies.
0: Oh, I already know what it is. What
1: are they? they are two. I bet you can guess one.
0: One I can guess. Which is... 500 Days of Summer. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other one? Don Juan. Oh. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen that one. It's a great film.
0: Yeah, I haven't watched it.
1: Yeah. It's about... uh, I mean, it's so broy, but it's just it speaks to me because it's about dating the uh, aesthetically beautiful girl, but then you're looking for more substance. And it's I don't know h- how you present yourself to your friends and what your true desires are. Um, And then it also deals with this idea of porn addiction, which is really funny, and I don't think there's been a film, at least that I know, not that I'm a film uh, buff or anything, but a film that's kind of dealt with that in a comedic way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are, yeah, when people have like sex addictions or whatever, it's always like a very... Serious. Serious. Yeah, Yeah. the tone is different. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's going in a different direction.
1: So that's your, uh, I think it's probably on Netflix. You should probably check that one out. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So those
0: are your two favorite rom-coms overall.
1: Yeah, it might just be JGL. I think he's doing it for me.
0: I mean, he's pretty adorable. (laughs) He's very cute.
1: He's so ripped in Don Juan. So oh, ripped. like mass. I'm scared now.
0: I'm scared that if if it's in 3D, like one of his abs will come out and poke me right in the eye.
1: Right? It's Unless you have a 3D TV, not a problem, though. True. Yeah. True. Should be fine.
0: I mean, I don't, thank God. <laughs> I can't even really see 3D, so it's not worth it. Yeah. I got a lazy eye and it really messes up my viewing. It, um,
1: I'm over it. I get it. I've never
0: been into it, so really? it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm just—it's fine. I could go either way with 3D. I feel like you have to almost, but if like if you're going, if you're going and you have two options, I, I feel kind like of you just have
0: don't to. even go to the movies for that reason. I'm like, well, I don't want to have to fight to try and find a non-3D movie, <laughs> so I'm just not gonna go and watch this Marvel movie that I didn't watch any of these other ones, and I don't know what it's about anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. Those Marvel movies I feel like are sub moving each other. And that's why I can't watch them. <laughs> yeah,
0: I can't get into it. Like it's too it's too far gone for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's too many. I mean hardly any rom coms hardly even come out in the theater anymore.
1: Yeah. Netflix
0: has all those rom coms they have some good ones. And I mean, is Crazy Rotations a rom com?
1: I haven't seen it, but I, I would assume. I think so. it is. Yeah. I mean I, yeah. fits in that.
0: The book is, kind of. The film, I think they both are. film's
1: different than the book?
0: It just has, like, they, just have diff- they just have different, the book just has more stuff.
1: Yeah, which is like every well, film it's, ad- it's adaptation. It's like
0: 550 pages, like it's too long. That's for why it, I like, didn't read it. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> fair. What's the longest book you ever read? Go. No, uh, <laughs> no I would never ask, that's terrible.
1: Uh, I've tried to read The Brothers Karamazov like a million times. It's it, just, tr- it is very long. <laughs>
0: it's so long. You know what? I'm just going to tell everyone. Yeah. I've never read any. Dostoevsky. really? And I've never read any Tolstoy. Wow. And I don't feel bad about it. Yeah. Why am I gonna care?
1: You're not teaching Russian literature, so well, it's not a big like deal. it's
0: fine. <laughs> I just have different interests. How much? I? I would rather read Confessions of a Shopaholic if we're talking rom coms, and and or if we're talking literature. Like I'd rather go down that road. Sure. Than read this long
1: I'm, Russian saga. I'm on the same page. I don't. Uh, yeah. I read what's enjoyable.
0: And I love reading literary fiction and I love reading poetry, which nobody loves. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's not a fun genre that people are like, Oh, I can't wait to go pick out these new poetry books. Yeah. That I read about. No one knows.
1: Yeah, the Goldfinch is another one where I think I started it a bunch of times oh, and yeah. just like uh oh, I can't. I bet
0: lots of people told you to read it.
1: So many That's people. One of those did books they that read gets it?
0: recommended. I mean some probably did.
1: Or was it did they get through it torturously and then were like, I have to make sure I everyone know. else. Is dragged through this. I mean, I
0: talk about this all the time, but it's like this uh, Elena Ferrante business, and everyone's like really into this woman, Elena Ferrante, and they okay. don't really know who she is. Well, maybe she was outed, but it's a pseudonym, and she wrote this series of books, and everyone's like, "Yeah, it's this amazing book, and it's about this like friendship, and it's about women's friendships." And I'm like, mm. I read the first book, and I was like, I hated it. <laughs> I was like, Who are these Italians? They're so dour. I don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get on board with this. What's <laughs> happening? I was like, No.
1: One last can-lit question. Oh, okay. Uh, How much Atwood have you read?
0: Oh, this is a controversial question. I know. That's why I'm going there. I've only read The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. You read the big one. That I read three times for different courses. (laughs) Right. So, like, here's another tip. If you're maybe trying to put stuff on your syllabus, it's been played out. Like, I had to read it three (laughs) times, and that was just in undergrad. Like, that's enough.
1: That's a big score, though, when you're that's, like, oh, I've already read this. I got yeah, notes from last year.
0: For sure. But just like, that's too much. Yeah. And I read some of her poetry, don't even remember. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a hot take.
0: It's whatever. She's fine. She doesn't need me.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's doing Core, just unquote, fine. Quote <laughs> unquote,
0: Margaret Allen doesn't need me. I mean, you already know that I was quoted in an article about her.
1: I, Maybe you didn't see that. Oh, you I wouldn't didn't see have. That. Because. No.
0: My name was uh, written incorrectly.
1: Oh, was it? It did.
0: <laughs> Someone, I'm not going to explain any more about this, but this yeah. uh, person who maybe calls themselves a journalist, I would disagree, uh, wrote this article, and it was called Why They Hate Margaret Atwood.
1: Oh. And
0: a tweet, that not very inflammatory, to be honest, that I had tweeted was included, yeah. but I changed my Twitter name all the time to be Ridiculous Things. Yeah. And at the time it was uh, Dina Delbino. And so the quote was. <laughs> From this tweet by Canadian poet Dina Delbino, And I was like, this is the best. What even is this? Who is? Is there anyone doing research here? The answer is no. Yeah. So it was pretty funny.
1: That's amazing. It was
0: not even, a, like, the tweet was quite mild. It literally was just about the shelf space that her books take up compared to newer writers sure. or, yeah. It, it literally was just talking about, so, like something I could prove with a tape measure. Mm-hmm. It was very funny.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I did not come across that. Probably for that reason. You would not have. Yeah. It uh, didn't make my Google filters. No, it couldn't. There's oh. no
0: way it would have. <laughs> Are you sad now? I get, no,
1: I got out my game. I got to like figure this one out for, ne- for next time. For I mean, the next it's guest.
0: hard to do that.
1: It is hard to do that. You're
0: never yeah. going to know. No. I'm gonna change my name? I'm gonna change more. my name again. <laughs> <laughs> I've already changed it like five times since then. Um,
1: uh, so now that we've uh, we've talked trash about shelf space, before I let you go, yeah, uh, can you read me a piece from your new book? Sure. I, I didn't know I, I didn't know what your voice was like, so I was reading all your poems in my voice. <laughs> I think, but that's, I, think I,
0: I think that's fine, and I like it.
1: Yeah, but I think I, I think it's a much bigger treat to hear from your voice. So. But
0: I love hearing that from readers, like the way they think it would be read. Mm. Um, at my book lunch, that's coming up. Uh, we can
1: plug it. It's gonna come. This episode will come out before that.
0: Uh, okay, it'll be April seventh. Yeah, at Shenanigans on Robson. Oh
1: yeah, the best
0: bar in the city, hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's gonna be pull tabs. There's going to be some pretty fun stuff, including that I'm getting some friends to uh, read some of the poems. So I won't be reading them. They'll be reading them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So some are writers, some are performers, so it'll be really fun. And there'll be other activities as well. There may be a big musical number. You'll never know unless you show up. So April 7th, 6.30 p.m., Shenanigans on Robson. I think it's 1225 Robson Street in the... Main floor of the majestic Blue Horizon Hotel. Yeah. Class, it used to be the tallest building in the city. Used to be. Used to be. It I'm, is still blue and beautiful,
1: though. I'm going to RT all your invite tweets, or all your in- oh, okay, event great. tweets, yeah. so I will make people sure that people will go. See. Yeah.
0: I think I'll read the title poem. Sure. Which I have not read yet. Okay. Every time I've read, I've read from this book twice so far, and I've tried to read different poems every time, just to practice. <laughs> What's up, listeners? Here's some poems for you. Please enjoy them. It's a big deal. Like collars in the 70s, when we were still small, like breaking curfew. Like silicone versus saline, the kind of boobs we thought we'd grow. Like a sale, but not on anything you want. The debates online after the debates are over, but no one stops talking. Like holding your breath underwater until you want to smash your own face. Like that time you grammar shamed me when my grandma died and I just had to deal. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I read I feel like I read your book the wrong way. No, and <laughs> now I have the voice in my head to do it that's, the right way. I think it's fine.
0: <laughs> voice is hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so much for sharing. Thank
0: you so much for having me. This was very fun.
1: How do people follow you? How do they find your book or your other books? How do they catch you around town? You which they
0: do? can go to my website. It's mm. dinadelbukia.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Delbachery. That's D-E-L-B-A-U-C-H-E-R-Y. Best
1: Twitter handle. Love it.
0: Someone used to call me that. It was my nickname at a oh, former really? job. Nice. Just because I behaved wildly at work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, also on Instagram, at Del Um Yeah, and if you're interested in Poetry is Dead, we're still publishing. It's a great magazine. Uh, we have one more issue coming out, and then we're shutting it down.
1: Oh. And
0: wow. uh, it's just been a long run. Fair enough. And if you're interested in local uh, live literary events, there's lots in the city, but I run one. It's called Real Vancouver Writers Series. Uh, you can find us. On Twitter, Facebook, you can Google us. Uh, I think we have a website, but I think we changed the URL, so I actually don't remember. I think it's realvancouver.org. Cool. Yeah, and I definitely, if you're interested in literary events in the city, come out. Uh, we do four events a year, and it's really fun. And please listen to my podcast. It's called Can't Lit. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere you can get podcast, and at can'tlit.ca. Also on Twitter at can'tlit. <laughs> I've t- I have managed way too many
1: You have a lot going on Social media but I, but I think you hit all of them, right?
0: I think so Yeah
1: Well, I have to say this was a lot of fun uh, I hope people pick up your book uh, It's a wonderful read And it's always a pleasure to see the wellspring of talent Coming out of this city and this province
0: It's really exciting Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I do all the things I do I just really believe that there's so many talented people here And I want more people to know about them So For sure It's all community stuff
1: well, I look forward to reading more from you yeah. and more from others yeah. in the community. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, her new book, It's a Big Deal, is now available. Super professional extraordinaire. She is the co-host of the Can't Lit podcast, the senior editor of Poetry is Dead, the artistic director of Real Vancouver Writers Series, and an instructor at UBC. She's a big deal. She is Dina Delbukia. And I'm Moamir telling you that in the city where you can be anything, be colorful. Peace.